Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Exodus 21 through 23. If you tried to get a copy of the Idaho Penal Code, uh, you would find that it's going to be several hundred pages printed out. Or if you were to go to the nearby state of California, you would find that the Penal Code is a few thousand pages. So let all of that give you some context. If you start getting into some of these passages in Exodus and start feeling like this is long, well, It's not a few hundred pages or a few thousand pages. And we have to remember that this is the word of God. God put this there for a reason. And there is something that we can and should learn from these laws. Now, we should start by noticing these are laws that are given uh, really as a part of this covenant to the nation of Israel. Israel. So even just applying the very basics of then, always, now, I think we have to acknowledge these were laws for a specific nation. And so I do not think all of these laws then just translate over to the church, because guess what? The church is not in our world today. It is not a nation. It is a people spread throughout all nations. These are laws that are given to a nation. And and just as a helpful cross-references, it would be good for us to remember that God has told us to obey the laws of our nations. You think of Romans 13 or 1 Peter 2. God makes it pretty clear that he expects his people to obey their governing authorities. So, That's one thing that maybe would be helpful to think about. A nation requires laws, and Christians should be law-abiding citizens. Christians should be people that seek to follow the laws of their own country. Now, as we look at these laws, I don't think then, on the other hand, okay, well, these aren't directly applicable to the church in a one-for-one kind of way. Okay, then I'll skip today's reading. No, don't do that. Because these laws are showing us the mind and the heart of God. Are These laws are showing us valuable things. Now, as you read through, you will come across things that might make you scratch your head a little. I mean, you'll see it talk about slavery. You'll even see things throughout the Bible that seem to allow for a man to have multiple wives. And you might say, why? And I'm not going to act like I have that all figured out and I have answers to every single one of those specific questions, nor do I think I I might ever understand fully some of those things until God himself can explain it to me. But here's what I do know. I am not going to begin to act as if my wisdom and my sense of justice is better than God's. And I want to exhort you to be careful of that too. You might read some things as we go through the Old Testament that you don't understand, that don't make sense to you. That is okay. What is not okay is when we begin to condemn God or act as if God is unrighteous because he doesn't live up to our moral standards. I hope you start to see how arrogant that can be. And and that's really what a lot of people in our world do today. Obviously, that's what many who reject the Bible do. But there's many even 
uh, that would seek to bear the name of, of Christian that are going to try to downplay or twist or act as if certain parts of the Bible aren't there so that they can feel better about themselves and their modern Western values. I don't think we want to play that game. But there are some things in this passage that I think we should note, some principles that are established in this part of the law, principles that we see validated throughout the Bible, and things that you and I, I think, should seek to apply if we want to be people that honor God in all that we do. So let's just think about four principles that we see here in this passage. And one is a principle of holiness. As you get later on in chapter 22 that we're reading today, starting in verse 18, it says, You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. Whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. So there we see a big part of the law for the nation of Israel was you need to worship and honor God alone. And so we should be people. I mean, that's something we see all throughout the Bible. As Christians, we should worship and trust God alone. And we should forsake all kinds of sexual immorality or perversion. Here, even talking about witchcraft or anything that would really draw us into something that is not trusting God, these are things that we should reject. We should seek to be holy people. And that's something you'll see even at the end of our reading today as he prepares them to go into Canaan. They were not to be like the Canaanites. Well, the Bible makes it pretty clear. Christians, we are not to be like the world. We should be a holy people. We should be set apart, uh, living lives that are uh, morally pure compared to the world around us. And really with our aim and our standard hopefully being the holiness of God. Be holy for I am holy. Something we'll see as we get to Leviticus. But think about your own holiness. Are you living a life that is completely set apart and consecrated to God? That is something that we see for all of God's people all throughout the scriptures. Another thing that we see in our passage today is a principle of integrity. Just consider the first verse of chapter 23. You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. Or uh, later, it says in verse 7, you keep charge or keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. So there you see some things pertaining just to integrity. We should not be people who give a false charge. We should not have anything to do with something that is not true or spreading something that is not true. We should be people of integrity. Um, And that's where we should examine ourselves. Are you a person of integrity? Are you a person who will tell the truth? Are you a person who will resist a, a lie, a lie that may be beneficial to you, but hurt others? And even are you quick? I think there's ways maybe we're quick to believe and quick to spread negative things about other people. And you may do that with people that you know. I think now in our social media age, we're quick to do that about people that we don't know. And I think as people of integrity, we should slow down on that. I'm going to focus on what I know to be true and seek to make sure that I say that and I don't deviate from that 
in any way, especially not in any way that would involve corruption or benefit me or hurt someone else. I'm going to stick to the truth. One thing we do see, even though we see some things that maybe we question, like the institution of slavery here in this passage, we do see throughout this passage, God protecting the vulnerable. And that's another thing we see throughout the Bible that God's people should be interested in that we should, in our own actions, never be seeking to take advantage of the vulnerable. We should be people who seek to protect the vulnerable. And you see some of that here, even right next to what we read earlier about integrity. Verse 6, you shall not pervert the justice due to your poor in his lawsuit. Um, that you're not just supposed to look at some people and say, well, they don't have as much, so who cares about what happens to them? No, that is not a a protection uh, for people that need protection. We also see here in verse 21 of chapter 22, right after some verses we read earlier, it says, you shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or... Or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows, and your children fatherless. Wow. So that's something even we see James talk about in the New Testament that, that to care for the orphan and the widow, these are good and godly things. And here you see God saying, Hey, if you mistreat them, there's going to be consequences that I'm going to expect from you. Also, throughout this passage, we see uh, really a principle of restoration. Many of these things that come up, if there is a problem, uh, the, the person who has caused the problem, or even if their animal has caused the problem, they are to restore uh, the damage that has been done. And there may be some situations in your life, and maybe even situations where there are accidents. But if you know, hey, I'm the one at fault here. It's good and biblical and right, and I'm not going to seek to shirk my responsibility to restore what has been broken. And that can just look at all kinds of basic things in your life where you may break something. Well, hey, I want to restore that. It's not. I'm not going to act as if that's a crime every time that happens, but hey, just that general impulse and reflex, I'm going to restore. So those are some principles to think through as we look at this passage and things that I think are applicable to all of our lives, that we are to pursue holiness, integrity, protection for the vulnerable, and restoration. Now, our passage ends, I think, with a bigger point. It ends with preparation to go into the land of Canaan. And God says he's going to send an angel before you. Now, that's interesting. Who's that angel talking about? It doesn't seem like it can be Moses or any other leader of the people of Israel. There actually seems to be a connection with the the burning bush and really um, what we would often refer to as the angel of the Lord. But the bigger picture here at the end is you need to trust me and you need to worship me Don't give in to the gods around you. Uh, Don't serve them. Serve me and I will provide for you. And even right before that, it talks about the Sabbaths. And that's something we'll see uh, also applies. There's more to the Sabbath, obviously, than this. But you see, to some extent, even when the man is going to come in the wilderness, hey, you need to trust me and rest on the Sabbath. We need to trust God that he will provide. 
And that's a a much bigger principle here in this text that still applies to you every day of your life. That's so much of what temptation is. Temptation comes to you and says, God's not going to provide. God's not going to do what he said. You need to figure this out yourself. You need to take this into your own hands. And God is saying, no, trust me. Keep worshiping me alone and I will give you what you need. So I think this was more interesting reading Exodus 21 through 23 than it would be if we sat down to read the Idaho or the California penal code. And more than just interesting, I hope you see how it applies to you. You may not be living in a nation under these laws, but there are principles, both small and large, that apply to your life. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.